Welcome to the Tech Study Hall podcast with your host, my dad, Dr. Rich Smith. Let's get started. Thanks, Finn, and welcome to episode 105 of the Tech Study Hall podcast, where you can go to explore all about 21st century learning and ed tech integration in a safe space in hopes to take steps forward in your tech independence. My name is Rich, and today we're going to talk about preparing your virtual classroom as we head into the most turnstile type of year that I can remember ever possibly having in the history of education. But first, just as a reminder for those of you tuning in for the first time, our goal here at Tech Study Hall is to inspire educators like yourselves to explore new ways to use technology as a way to accent your lessons while using 21st century learning strategies to keep your students engaged. And whether that's using tech or not, the way our learners obtain knowledge is different from what we experienced in school. But the one thing that hasn't changed is the importance of relating our learning experience to a world that makes sense for them. Today's objective. As I mentioned earlier, we're heading into this year not knowing what might lay ahead of us. And some of us are going back face to face. Some of us are going all remote. Others, like myself, are heading into a school year with a hybrid learning model where students are going to be, um, who are comfortable with going face-to-face can be live, and others are going to be staying at home to watch it live from the safety of their own device. So I'm actually planning a whole show around what we're going to be doing at Lake Catholic this year, um, and I'm going to invite our principal and our dean of academics to discuss what we're doing at Lake Catholic um, and how we're going to be doing this thing we call simultaneous learning or hybrid flexible models. Um, But be sure to tune in to the next episode for that. Uh, Since we're all planning on going back in some fashion this year, I wanted to talk about how to utilize your learning management system to create a versatile classroom so that you can switch modalities on a moment's notice without worrying about the integrity of the learning that you're providing for your students. So let's get into today's show as we talk about preparing your LMS for just that type of situation. Time for the lesson. You know, during my course of studies, I was fortunate enough to study under Dr. Lisa Reason at Capella University, and she told us about a book she had written with Dr. Casey Reason and Crystal Geiler called Creating the Anywhere, Anytime Classroom, a Blueprint for Learning Online K-12. And I'll, I'll put that link in the show notes um, for the publisher's website if you want to get your own copy, but I highly recommend it. This book is amazing, and it's a great way to build an online presence for your room and to make it meaningful for your students from the beginning of the term through the conclusion of the course. You know, I read the book from cover to cover almost in one sitting when I first got it, and I had read several books, attended many workshops, but this particular book not only laid out a great plan for successful learning, it offered practical tips for making it happen at a pace that was easy for me, and it provided hope that it could be done. So fast forward a couple years to the outbreak of COVID-19. During the course of the school closures, our staff began preparing and executing digital learning for our students, and I started hosting tech help sessions for those who might have needed a little help using tools they needed to use on the fly, but didn't necessarily have the experience to keep the learning happening for our students. And this was a trend happening across the country. The sessions helped us to be together for one another, to share expertise with one another of what we were experiencing in the classroom and how we can help each other through it, and to guide each other through this pioneering time in education. And it felt great to be there for one another. But I kept thinking about how we could do more, how, how we could keep uh, keep the learning happening for our students and maybe not have to take these little shift breaks in between switching from a face-to-face modality to all online. 
So I reached out to Lisa and she connected me with Casey to begin discussing ways we might be able to conduct a book study to highlight how to create a meaningful, productive, and engaging digital learning space for our students. The administration was on board almost instantly, and so we set out for this digital learning experience together. Now, the reason that I bring all of this up is because it was a chapter on preparing your digital learning experience that I wanted to highlight in this episode. You know, I've taught on Blackboard, I've taught on Schoology, and now we use Google Classroom as our platform at Lake Catholic. And it, it's just a great tool to execute digital learning. No, it doesn't matter, you know, what you're using, which platform you're using. It's the digital tool that you're learning to educate that digital learning. So the tool doesn't really make the lesson. It's the heart and soul in preparing the digital learning content. So in that respect, it's not learning that is changing. It's merely the process in which you deliver. It's our charge to create an engaging experience in our classrooms, and this isn't any different for our online spaces too. So with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about some things that you should have included in your learning management system to help develop an engaging online classroom experience for your students to help them feel connected to the learning experience and to one another. Now, first, my biggest, my biggest uh, piece of advice for you today is to get to know the learning management system that you're using, and there are all kinds out there. So you want to take a look at the features that it has for you. Um, how can you conduct an online discussion? How can you get information out to your students? Um, what are some of the limitations that are included? Because that's going to come into um, play later when you're looking at other tools to complement the learning management system. Now, the nice thing about planning on the digital learning content is that you can plan ahead and tweak as much as you want. You can design to your heart's content. You can build all kinds of quality content, and then you can hide it on your online coursework until you're ready to release it. So you can keep planning ahead and tweak things as you go. In most systems, you can schedule that release time so that you don't have to manually release that information. You can actually set some automation to it uh, to help you out, to help organize and to get information out there in a timely fashion to your students. Now, in some cases where learners are more asynchronous, learning on their own, you can release all of your content at once to allow the students to work at their own pace. It's totally what modality of learning you're reemphasizing in your classroom structure. Now, regardless of what you're going to be teaching, get to know how that learning management system works. Play with attaching assignments. You know, how do you add links, exploring discussion options, how video attachments work in your learning management system. You want to get a good full flavor of what you can do with your learning management platform so that you're teaching in a learning space that is familiar to you, and then you can help then guide your and navigate your students through that course as well. Next, you want to create a rough sketch of what learning is going to look like in your course shell. So sometimes it helps to keep your course organized to create that outline. Oftentimes you'll want to use your syllabus or your class expectations as that guide to try and organize your topics in a way that's going to make sense for your learner. Do you want things going with the most recent topic on top and then you can see the flow of education that follows um, previously? Or do you want to start with that first topic and keep it going down? Get to know the learning management system and how it's organized. Now I know in Google Classroom you can you can move things around wherever you want. Um, what I like about Google Classroom is on the left-hand side, they have these breadcrumbs that are set up so that I can go ahead and just keep adding to my course shell, and then they can always click on the breadcrumb they need to to get to the information that they need to access. Now, when planning 
Um, you want to make sure you sketch out, develop a plan that's going to balance video content with the written transcripts and readings to cater to both learning styles. Some people are more visual in the fact that they like to um, watch the videos. Some of them need to read that content. So you really want to get to know your learners. And so your best strategy is to make sure that your course offers both ways to learn. Now, regardless of where your content is online, your course should start with an introductory space to kick off your course. Commonly, you want to create a unit that says start here or read me first or even something like course outline, something that your students um, know will know when they see it where they need to start their digital learning process. And so you want to make sure that that's accessible to them. And I mean, it should be out in their face. That's why I like using start here or read me first so that that's giving them a direction, something that's going to pull them into that particular folder. Um, and then what should you have included in that? So let's talk about that a little bit. So if you're going to start a start here folder or start here topic in your course outline, the first thing you want to do is include a post about you. You want to do an introduction of yourself so that students can begin connecting with you right away. Tell them who you are. Tell them about your experiences in teaching. What are your interests and how it will play out in your teaching experience when they're in your classroom. You want to also include some other fun facts about yourself, things that you probably wouldn't have brought up you know, in a conversation that they should get to know you. What hobbies do you have? What are some things that might pique their interest? Um, and, and then you want to turn around and give your students the opportunity to do the same thing with you. And that's important because... You can learn a little bit more about your students and then connect with them. That's the first thing. And then get to know their interests to see if anything you're teaching, you can tie into your instruction to help personalize the learning. And, you know, and it's really about creating that community. The whole idea behind introducing yourself and giving the students a chance to introduce themselves is to really create that engagement from the onset, to really Give them something that they're going to kind of buy into, something to look forward to. And if you know some of their interests and you know they know that you're going to try and incorporate that into their learning, they're going to keep looking out for that thing that might stick out to them. Now, the next thing you want to do inside your Start Here discussion is to create a discussion thread where students can go to ask you for general help about the course. Just a, a simple discussion thread that says, you know, ask your questions here. Now, you want to put that in a place that they can go to, and the reason why you put that in the start here, so it's in a central location, a place that they can go to to get some general guidance. You know, most may not use this space. They might ask questions that they go along depending on the topic course, but if they, you know, they need some help navigating or I can't find this in your course shell, that it gives them an opportunity to ask that question, and then you can get the alert to know that they have that question as the need arises. Now, the next thing you can put in your read about me or the, the read here first section is to create a post with your syllabus or your course expectations and then ask them to read through it and respond that they understand those expectations. Now, notice that you can focus on the course content here. So there's no need to rehash or jump into this as part of the introduction in the previous post because you've already introduced yourself. So you're getting down to business in this post, and I think that's important because a lot of us as teachers sometimes tend to want to talk about ourselves, how it relates to the course, and then here are the course expectations. A, you're going to create too long of a video and they're going to lose interest. Um, and B, you want to separate out that personalized piece from the business piece so they know that when they're reading that, they are down to business. You're ready to start talking about the course and what's going to be important to learning in that particular space. So separating this out creates a balance from the personal to the business side of your course. 
Now, the next expectation I think that should be in your start here is to create a post with class resources. Now, this could be materials to extend learning, links to future research options in class, commonly used links for your course or the school like student services or signups for um, committees, um, library links, a course video that might support the clips of your learning online. Um, even your online book could go here as well. These are all excellent options for your course resource post that, again, they know that there's a centralized spot that if you're referencing something somewhere else in the course that they should go to that resources post. And then the next thing I think that's important for you to put inside of a start here or a readme first um, section of your LMS is to create a post that describes for your students how to gain access to you outside of class time. Now, you did start that ask me post, but I'm talking more like office hours or um, a regular um, scenario where you can go in and talk to your students if they need more um, individual questions answered or if they can get some personalized help with you one on one. So creating a start here post sets the stage for engagement in your digital learning space and worth time in the long run to build the community among your students, set expectations for them, and provide them with avenues to help one another. It also provides students with the confidence in knowing that they're entering a prepared, organized, and engaged environment. Now, the next thing you want to do, as I said before, when you start learning what your LMS can do for you and what it can offer and how things are organized, is maybe pick a tool or two that focuses on using, become an expert that tool, and then add that as time goes on to increase engagement in your course. So pick one tool. I always say just pick one tool to start with very slowly that you think is going to add to your classroom environment online. And so start small, and, and as you build on that, I always say that if you start feeling like, okay, I've done this so many times, or you notice that the students are saying, okay, enough with this, um, it's time to then start looking at another tool to increase. But I always say to, to pick that first tool, look at what your limitations are in your LMS, and then decide what it is that you need to incorporate to accent that class. Um, some of my favorites to incorporate are Flipgrid. It's a great video discussion tool where you can make little videos to talk to your students or upload them. You know, both, both students and teachers have the option to upload. And then you can have them interact with you on video as well so they can talk about their answers and talk things through. You can have them engage with each other online through video and, and talk things through together. It's a great way to encourage digital engagement that still provides them a voice in the process. So they're not just typing things out all the time. Another one of my favorites to incorporate is Screencastify or any type of screen recording tool. Now, we use Chromebooks, so I like Screencastify, and there's many other video operators out there. Um, but Screencastify is the first one that I kind of introduced to the staff this past year. And this is great for creating video content. Now, you are limited to, in the free version, five-minute videos. Um, if you get the unlimited version, you can get it for the whole school to open up, and then um, you can make as long videos as you want. Now, um, my absolute favorite when you're looking for incorporating video, engaging engagement in that video is Edpuzzle. You cannot go wrong with a great Edpuzzle. Um, it's a must when you're using video content. And you can monitor engagement. Behind the scenes, you can see how many times they interacted with that video clip before they answered the question. Did they get the question right or wrong? You can give the, the student individual feedback on each question as you're going through. You can alter things and kind of really see how long the student really spent with that material and whether or not it stuck with them. It's a great opportunity for you to gauge some formative assessment so that you can know if there's a reteachable moment out there somewhere. So if you really want a great discussion tool as an option, you want to check out Parlay. 
Parlay is a beast in monitoring discussion for engagement and content achievement. It's a great way to do a Socratic seminar um, and to really throw something out there. And then behind the scenes, when you have the paid subscription, it gives you some amazing data as a teacher behind them. You can see how many times they've posted, who they're interacting with, the quality of the posting, and really kind of just jump in there to see if this is sparking an interest. And then again, you can always formatively look at this to see if the discussion needs to be tweaked or maybe you need to add a little something to it. It's a great way to engage. Um, if you don't have that discussion option inside your LMS or if it's not very strong, Parlay is a great way to add in some typed discussion, some writing prompts. Because as we know, we want to encourage writing across the curriculum. And so if you're going to encourage writing through discussion prompts, it's a great way to gauge how the learning is happening within your LMS. So evaluate your LMS and what aspects of the tools available might not meet your expectation in terms of engagement. And as we said before, another opportunity is to talk to your colleagues about the tools that they're using and then pick one to start building your own toolbox. This practice helps to make the process of learning new tools less overwhelming. And it really helps to stay on the pulse of what is working in your building and creates a collaborative culture of best practices among your colleagues. There's no better way to demonstrate that you are in this together than sharing tools with your colleagues in an engaging environment. So if you're not, if you don't have that yet in your building, then maybe you can start that trend. Start talking about the tools with your colleagues and get the ball rolling and talking and opening up an atmosphere. You're going to find that there's a lot of places and a lot of classrooms where people kind of worry about their four walls and what's going on in there. But I think that Many schools by now have discovered that if they really start to share, if they start to collaborate with other rooms in similar grades or across grade levels, that they're finding that the success in learning is a lot higher because you're creating that dialogue, you're helping to connect learning, and you're getting them to know one another. It's really also more typical of a, of a work environment, right? We're going to show the students it's not just clock in, clock out, but it's the work that you do together, and it's how you work together that gets you through some of those tasks. So what we've started to do as a best practice for this year is to create a topic or a folder, and this is another piece that um, I would recommend that you do for your LMS, especially this year, given what's going on with the pandemic, is to create a topic or a folder with about two or three emergency plan options in case you're sick. You want to stockpile a couple of lessons that you can make available on an as-needed basis in case you can't be at school. Maybe it's due to the pandemic outbreak or you need that transition time because the LMS isn't exactly where you needed it to be or your school has to switch that modality, as we just said, or generally you're just not well and you can't come in that day. Again, you don't have to make the plans available right away. You can just hide them until you're ready to use them. But to have some emergency plans on backup and to keep them in a digital format makes your sub plan building so much easier because then instead of having to explain everything to the sub, you can kind of give them a flavor of what's going on. But for the most part, you can just tell the student or tell the sub to tell the students, you know, please have them check their learning management system for the next um, lesson for today since I won't be there. So there's there's just a couple of reasons here that I would highly recommend that you start using learning management systems to plan for this upcoming year. It's time to wrap it up. Yeah, we have a unique opportunity ahead of us this year. We really do. We're showing the world that we as educators have the ability to evolve with our learners. And this is not new to education. Many of these concepts have been around for a while, but never in our profession's lifespan has the need for everyone to be this versatile been so important. You know, the industrial model of education hasn't really been useful for today's learners for some time. 
And it's really kind of pushed some people away because they really haven't been able to find a modality of learning that works for them. And so we can't assume that it works for everyone. And I, I guess you could probably argue that the same would be for this online learning situation. It's not for everyone, and we know that. But we should never really assume that everything that we do as teachers works for everyone. We have to be versatile in our instruction as much as we expect our students to be versatile in what they learn. Cookie-cutter learning is over. We just can't do it anymore. We cannot expect it. The era of engagement is upon us. Now, why do I feel this is important to embrace a learning management system, even though it may not be for everyone, is that it's one's teaching style, right? First, it provides an opportunity to keep constant communication with our students. It's one way they will know that if they need to talk with us or look for reinforcement of a concept, they can go to your course shell. It's somewhere for them to turn. You want to make sure that if you're going to route them to online for answers, that they know they can go to your LMS in a safe space and find the answer that they're looking for. And if they can't find that answer immediately, that they have an opportunity to reach out to you. Then, planning with your LMS in mind, it gives you some flexibility to switch up your learning modality quickly. Given the onset of COVID-19, some schools had to switch back and forth between face-to-face -face and digital instruction. Some had to take breaks in between to plan for the switch. If you plan with your LMS in mind, it will save you a step in transitioning from one modality of instruction to the other. Seamlessly, really. And if you are a face-to-face, -face, you can always use it as a planning center or individual work time in your classroom. So that planning is not for nothing. And if you're digital, your learning space is ready to go if the need arises. Plus, what you're doing is you're showing your students a valuable skill in learning digitally because they move on to next steps in their learning. A lot of higher ed or technology or vocational courses have some kind of an online component to it. And, you know, those learners are already learning to switch. And what we've seen, too, is students come back to us year after year and say, wow, I really wish I would have had more experience with organizing myself online, or I would really wish I would have had more experience with learning online or how to learn online. And so this is an opportunity to show them now. And then when you show them, it helps them to become more flexible learners digitally. So think about it as skill building, really. If we show them how to utilize those learning management systems as they go throughout their course of education, it becomes second nature to them and a lot less daunting when they have to do it as part of their job or furthering their education. Plus, let's be honest, our learners being the digital natives that they are already learn to research answers on their own by using Google or YouTube. We do it as teachers as well. So if we're already going out to look for answers, let's work together through our courses to promote the best practices for searching for true answers online by using digital learning to promote digital citizenship and looking for the real answers to things, not just looking for the short answer of things in Google. We've spoken in the last episode about vulnerability too, how to empower you and your students to take ownership of the learning. And if you're struggling to invite those students in, to invite your learners in to help you know, it creates engagement and learner buy-in. It helps to build that creative, collaborative culture that you're looking for. These are just a few of many reasons to create a digital footprint in your planning for class culture this year. And I hope that I was able to hit on some great ones that will inspire you to pioneer for yourself this school year. And again, if you ever need any help, feel free to reach out to techstudyhall.org or send, you know, shoot me an email or whatever, or go on to Facebook and create a post. Let me know what help you think you might need. I've also put some information in the show notes about how to find uh, Reason, Reason, and Geiler's book on creating the Anywhere, Anytime classroom. And uh, I've put Dr. Casey's Reasons website in there as well because both, he's a phenomenal resource. If you've never had a chance to um, hear him speak, I, you know, I encourage you to reach out to him. 
Until next time, I'm Rich here reminding you to give tech a try. Any small step forward is still part of the greater journey in learning. This has been Tech Study Hall. Class is adjourned. Be well, everyone. Music and sound effects used during Tech Study Hall is provided royalty-free under the use and mention license from hooksounds.com. Other music and sound effects are courtesy of bensound.com and incomtech.com. For more information about how you can be a part of Tech Study Hall, contact Rich at rmstechspot at gmail.com or visit www.techstudyhall.org for follow-up information, research, or contact options. Are we done yet? Ha, ha, ha!